God, we, we thank you for your word. And as uh, Beck reads this morning, as we listen, as we read, uh, we pray that you would begin to stir in us an expectation of, for you, for your Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us, to uh, show us what you're doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And we thank you, God, that the Bible is so readily available, available to us. It's living and active and that you speak through it um, in incredible ways. So open our hearts now, we pray, Lord Jesus, as we come to your word. Amen. Morning, church. Um, I'm reading um, from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, if you want to follow along. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she, found to be fr- she fa- was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, not faith- was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she, she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Beck. So I'm wondering, what is your favourite part about Christmas? What's your favourite thing about this season? Just shout it out. Presents. Fairy lights. Very good. Food. Family. Yeah, getting together with family. Excellent. Christmas pudding. I preached about that one year. Anything else? The kids' excitement. Yeah. Anything else? Holidays. Yes. So many good things to be to be uh, excited about, right? Um, sometimes might be described as the Christmas spirit, just, just, just the overall sense of what this, what this season is about. Um, in fact, that, that idea of the Christmas spirit, I don't know if you've, if you've noticed, but it's a bit of a thing. Um, uh, in fact, there's a number of, there's a number of movies uh, under, under that title. The problem with those movies is that they seem to be about some sort of spirit that, some, that comes to life and then, and then someone falls in love with it. So it's you know, slightly demonic, but anyway. Um, <laughs> we were watching The Santa Claus, as in the claws with an E at the end, the old Tim Allen movie, uh, the other day, and uh, uh, a Santa at some point says, children hold the, it might have been an elf, I can't remember, children hold the, the spirit of Christmas within their hearts. You wouldn't want to be resp- responsible for killing the spirit of Christmas, would you? Um, you know, so this, this idea of the spirit of Christmas, it's, it's, it's a bit of a thing. Um, I wonder then what actually, when people talk about the Christmas spirit or the spirit of Christmas, what is that? What are they talking about? Is it just a combination of family and friends and 
you know, holidays and candy canes and fairy lights and all that kind of thing. Is it this magical thing in the movie? It's all over the movies. Uh, how, many, how many of you have watched a Christmas movie already? I think we're up to about two and a half so far. So, um, but I do wonder what 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 is what's the, this this the spirit of Christmas? Or maybe who is the spirit of Christmas? Don't know if you've realised this, uh, but the Holy Spirit's fingerprints actually all over the Christmas story. So the, the, the readings from Luke chapter 1 and 2, Matthew chapter 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit is all the way through it. Um, we sometimes have this idea as Christians that it's, that it's like, you know, there's the Old Testament and God was kind of a little bit weird in that and then it would come to the New Testament and you have Christmas, then you have death and resurrection, Easter and Ascension and then we get to Pentecost. Oh, finally the Holy Spirit's on the scene now. Not true. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit, is, is active through from Genesis 1 through, all the way through the Scriptures, albeit more so and more fully when we do hit Pentecost. But especially in the Christmas story, the Holy Spirit is very present uh, in this particular time in history. And as I uh, reread the narrative this, this year and open, you know, read through Matthew 1 and 2, Luke chapter 1 and 2, I realized we actually learn a lot about the Holy Spirit through this story, through the story of the conception, the birth uh, of Jesus. I guess the first question to ask would be, who is the Holy Spirit? Because we talk about him, but maybe we don't often say who, who he actually is. Uh, well, God is like a family. In fact, God is a family, Father, Son, and spirit. It's just that this, this family, these three persons, are so united, so much one, that they are one God, one being in three persons. Blows our minds a little bit, but this is the Christian belief. Three persons, one God, one being. And the spirit, the third person of this trinity, is, the, is, is God himself, the Spirit is God, and, and humbly and quietly and faithfully serves the Son and the Father at all times. That doesn't mean He's just sort of less important. In fact, the Spirit, as, as well as Jesus does, you know, exemplifies the, the servant-hearted nature of God. Because he's never trying to draw credit or glory for himself, but always pointing to, always seeking to glorify Jesus, always seeking to serve the Son and serve the Father. So that is who the Holy Spirit is. What does he do? Well, too much for us to unpack in a short three-week Christmas series. Um, but I, I noticed as I read through the, the, the Christmas story that there are three things that the Spirit does or desires in these stories, which I think is consistent with the rest of Scripture. He glorifies Jesus, mobilizes human beings, people, that then others would be edified or, or encouraged or blessed. Right? So he, he's always seeking to glorify the Son, glorify Jesus, mobilize us that then others would be edified. That is what he does. So, for example, next week we're going to look at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth first is moved to say, blessed is the child you bear. And she sort of just comes out with that really loud, like, Wah, you know, blessed is the child that you bear, glorifying Jesus in Mary's womb. And then Zechariah and Elizabeth, they are, they are moved uh, in this process to prophesy, right? They are mobilized. And then out of that, Mary is edified. She is encouraged. 
and blessed out of this. The following week, we'll look at Simeon and Anna in the temple. Simeon is moved to declare who this baby really is. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. He's mobilized to the temple for this to happen. And then at that exact time that Mary and Joseph are there and then Simeon is there, Anna then also, doesn't say this in the scripture, but clearly is led by the Spirit to come and compliment Simeon's words with encouragement, edifying words for Mary and Joseph. And this is what the Spirit does all through the scriptures, glorifies Jesus, mobilizes people that others would then be edified. What I want to start this morning, though, with is Joseph. Uh, The story of Joseph that that Beck read for us a minute ago. Upon finding out that Mary is pregnant, he says to himself, this is not good. Mary's not done the right thing, (laughs) right? And, And he assumes that this is the case and he's got to call off the wedding. But then the dream with the angel takes place and leads him to change his response, to change the way that he approaches the whole situation to stay with Mary, to marry her and to support her rather than trying to quietly divorce her. And this is because he recognises that this baby, this situation, is conceived of the Spirit. And that's the title of my message this morning, Conceived of the Spirit. Sometimes things in our life that God does can actually seem kind of shocking, surprising, unexpected, unsettling, uncomfortable. Something happens, we go, oh my goodness, where where does this come from? And so we don't necessarily think, well, this is God, because it's a bit, whoa, it might be hard. And this can especially be true for people of faith, if it is something God does, because we kind of have this box we have created, this assumption of how God works, and when something happens that's counter and different to that expectation we have built, we go, that can't be God. Maybe I'm a little bit unlike people who, are, who don't yet believe because they don't have any expectations of what God is like yet. Maybe are more open. But we who are Christians might go, oh, that doesn't feel like my understanding of God. So we, we kind of block it out. And so we can take an unexpected or unsettling or uncomfortable situation and go, I need to reject this. We try to overcome it. We try to work around it somehow. And this is what Joseph does. I'll quietly divorce her. He's just trying to the best of his ability to be obedient to the law the Bible of his time, to Jewish custom, and and considering the situation and what he sees in front of him, he's just trying to do the right thing. He's trying to to, to put aside this thing that's, that's really unsettling. But then he is told, this is conceived of the Spirit. Let's read verse 20. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is conceived of the Spirit. So what? Don't be afraid. And this was a fairly significant event in history. I think we would all, we would all agree. And so, you know, God has chosen a couple with humble hearts who will listen. He's chosen to, to send a very, very clear message through an angel in a dream to Joseph so that there's no mistake here. But it's not always quite so clear for you and I. Sometimes it's not so clear as to whether something is conceived of the Spirit and the Spirit's doing or whether it's something 
that God doesn't want. And so we have to ask the question of whether our eyes are open to the unexpected and the uncomfortable that might actually be conceived of the Holy Spirit. Do we, are we opening our eyes to recognise what is the Spirit's work and what is not? Or do we just kind of go along and think, you know what, God loves me, and so this hard thing that has happened, it must not be from God, therefore I'll push it away. Because that kind of fairly simplistic view can get us into trouble sometimes because something might happen and actually it might be from God or if it's not from God God isn't just immediately removing it because he's not saying I just I just love you so I'm getting rid of this but he's allowing it to happen that we might grow and something that God wants would happen in us or do we just think no God loves me this wouldn't happen I rebuke you in Jesus' name. When we recognize that something is the Holy Spirit's doing or the Holy Spirit is involved in it, it changes the whole situation. And the word of the Lord for us is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And what this does when we go, this is the Holy Spirit's work in my life, do not be afraid, is that it changes our response. What happened for Joseph? Well, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Do we recognize that's a very different response to where he started? It changed his response completely. Now, because this is God's will, I can step into it, and rather than rejecting it, I can embrace it. Rather than trying to get rid of it because it's unsettling and uncomfortable, I can embrace this now because it's God's will and so rather than just throwing it out he he steps in he embraces it i think deep down we know there's only one way to live and that is in the will of god not easy and whatever's the 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 simplest and easiest path forward but the, the only way i think deep down in our hearts we know even if we don't recognize it cognitively we know the best way to live is in the will of god not misaligned with his will but in the will because then the impact is among among other things this more often than not it blesses it encourages it edifies others and this is what we see in verse 20 uh uh, hang on, I lost my place here. And Joseph woke. Okay, so is this is this working at the moment? No. Okay, it's gone. Yeah, well, there we go. It, it changes our response, and recognizing and responding impacts others. This is what happened in this story. Joseph uh, changes his response, and what happens for Mary? She's no longer a single mum who has to go alone. Basically, as an outcast, someone looked down upon uh, trying to do this all on herself. She now has a husband who supports her, who loves her, who, who, who does this with her. So she is uplifted and edified in this process because Joseph changed his response, because he recognized this was conceived of the Spirit. And uh, uh, in the Alpha Course, Nicky Gumbel, he says that the one word, the best word to describe the Holy Spirit is love. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Channels the love of God through us. The Holy Spirit is love and he channels that love of God through us into the lives of others so that others are uplifted, edified. How then do we respond 
as followers of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit conceives something, when the Holy Spirit begins to do something in our lives. Well, last week I spoke about being conduits of God's presence, of God's uh, uh, spirit, of God's life into the lives of others. And uh, that as conduits, we you know, have the, the opportunity to create this, this pipeline of the life and the love of God into the lives of others all around our neighborhood. But sometimes when the Holy Spirit begins to, to do something in our lives, it doesn't feel like Him at first. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you lost a job this year, right? And that doesn't feel like God. Maybe you had some plans and they fell through. And it really doesn't feel like God because God didn't want those plans to fall. I thought that was God. Um, a bunch of work that you do is wasted. It just goes to waste completely. And go, God, why would that happen? That's not you. Maybe it's not a, a specific thing that actually happens, but just a feeling. There's something that you just feel yuck about. That's a, that's a, a substantial theological word, yuck, right? The feeling of yuck. And, and, and you think this shouldn't be a big deal, but it just feels yuck. And you, well, that's not God. And, and so we take these things, and there's not God, and we just try to pour them back out, right? We go, no, I, I, need, to, I need to get rid of that. And then it keeps it, we have an irrational thought. And we think, oh, you know, this, that's not logical. Maybe I'm losing it. And so instead of accepting it, we go, no, I need to, I need to pull that, that back out again. But the thing about God is that he's very, very patient and persistent. And so we, we try to pour these things out, but it doesn't go away. The job's still not there. And the plans have still fallen through. And we go, God, what's happening? What's happening, God? Why, does this, why is this not happening? And we think we just, we just need to keep pouring it out. We just, need to, we just need to keep getting rid of it and rejecting that thing that is happening or that feeling that is in our gut, that, that yuck feeling, and, and just keep pouring it out, pouring it out, even though all along it might be God or something God is using. And then maybe eventually we get to this point where we do just accept it. So... Whatever God, the Holy Spirit, has, has poured into our life, we just, we just leave it there and we go, okay. Um, <laughs> we just leave it there and we let it, we let it sit and go, okay, God, it seems like this thing is not going away. So, all right, I will live with it. I'll live with it, God. That's fine. It, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'll just accept it. And then something happens. We might not be trying to pour it out again. But ultimately, we feel pretty weighed down. This is kind of heavy right now. Whoop, and very out of balance. I didn't think about that, but that's a good illustration point as well. Right? It's, we're, it's, it's heavy. We're weighed down by these things that, that's happening. Then we might recognize, oh, wait a second. This might be who? The Holy Spirit. And, and what happens when we go, oh, just like Joseph, this thing is conceived of the Holy Spirit. This thing is the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Or even if it's, it's not something that God did, the Spirit is allowing it in my life. And, and maybe he doesn't want it to weigh me down. 
And what happens when we realize it's conceived of the Spirit and the message of the Lord to us is do not be afraid. Our response changes. And then two things happen when we change our response. One, others are blessed. The work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the love of God is poured into the lives of others. But there's something else that happens as well. Have you guessed it? We feel lighter. The weight is off of us. And maybe that weight was from the Spirit in the first place, but it was just meant to go out into the lives of others and be used of God to bless someone else, to edify someone else, to encourage someone else, to bring someone else into an experience of the love of God and the presence of God and the Spirit of God. And we feel lighter and others are blessed. And so I guess the question this morning would be, how do we recognize? How do we actually identify when it is the Spirit of God doing something in our lives? Well, let me, let me ask you this question. If every disciple of Jesus has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, every single, every single disciple of Jesus, then who do you think is able to recognize when the Spirit is doing something in your life? Every disciple of Jesus? We all can. But there are a few things that we need. One is familiarity. Two is, the second is, is others to help us discern. And then the third one, which I think we see in the scriptures today, is a check and balance. We need familiarity to, to learn to recognize the Spirit's voice. We need others to help us hear and identify what the Spirit is doing. And then we need a check and balance. What is the Spirit of God and what's not the Spirit of God? And that check of balance is, of course, the Word of God. God's Word is, if we can go to the next slide, the check and balance, but should never be an obstruction. I'll come to that in a second. Have a look again at the narrative in in Matthew chapter 1, where Joseph found out, out that Mary was pregnant, and based on the law and the scriptures and his assumption about what was going on, he goes, I must divorce her. I, I, you know, this needs, to, this needs to end. He realizes as the Holy Spirit's doing, he changes his response, and then look at verse 25, next slide. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So, even if it was like, well, maybe it's okay now for us to get married, consummate the marriage. He, he, he basically went, you know what? Based on everything that's happening right now, the most respectful thing I can do, respecting Mary, respecting my traditions, respecting the law, others around me in positions of leadership in the Jewish custom, the best thing I can do to be obedient to God is now to wait. And so rather than going, oh, well, the Spirit's done this thing, I can just go and do what I think is best now, he still went back to the Scriptures. And this is a really key point, that the Spirit's leading will never conflict with God's written Word to us. It will never give us an out, an excuse to skip over scriptural obedience, but also scriptural meditation and engaging and learning and familiarizing ourselves with the text so we understand who God is and what his character is like. And and it never gives us an excuse to just skip over thousands of years of interpretation of the church and to go, this is is now what I think the scriptures should should say. It always, the the spirit never conflicts with the scriptures. But on the other hand, nor should the scriptures obstruct our obedience to God's spirit. Never should we say, oh, well, it's just, I I, I mean, 
The Word of God says this, and that's all that really matters. Now, some of you are going to be a little bit uncomfortable with me saying this, but here's the truth. The Trinity is not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. The Trinity is not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible, but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so one of the questions we always have to ask is, what does the Bible say? But this is a question that I think as evangelical Christians who do respect the Scriptures and who do go to the Scriptures as our point of authority of what God says, we need to ask this question, I think, even more often sometimes. What, next slide, what is the Holy Spirit doing? What do the Scriptures say? Yes, but what is the Holy Spirit doing? Because we can be confident He will never conflict. There will never be an issue with one saying this and one saying this. But what is the Holy Spirit doing? I think that in our neck of the woods, most of us need to ask this question a little more. Now, I'm grateful for people who regularly ask this question um, in, in, our, in our community around us. I want to give a couple of examples to finish off this morning. Um, just uh, last Sunday, uh, and Anita took uh, Irie, um, our exchange student, or not our exchange student, the exchange student who was living with, with Dean and Francis for about 10 months. Um, some of you were here last Sunday, we prayed for Irie, blessed her as she, she headed off. But um, Anita in particular that, um, was just asking the question, what is the Holy Spirit doing in, in Irie's life? And, uh, and, and she just was wondering, where's Irie at in her faith? And so they took her down for fish and chips down in Rockingham because that was Irie's favourite meal while she was here in Australia. And um, on the way back, uh, they were having a bit of a conversation. And long story short, Irie said, Auntie, because I believe that's what Irie would call you, um, Auntie Anita, Auntie, I want to become a Christian. And, uh, and, and they were, you, know, you and Anita were given an opportunity to pray with Irie. And now she goes back um, to her home country, you know, um, with the Spirit and, and ready to find a church that will help her continue to grow, as hard as that might be in her, in her land where she's from. And so remember I talked last week about um, sowing and reaping and harvesting. And so ten, for 10 months, Francis and, and Dean, you have invested in this young girl you know, as uh, examples of Christian people as she's lived with you. And then on that last day uh, also, um, you know, Anita has been able just to do that little, little bit extra to say, hey, let's pray with you. And she wanted, she was ready to give her life to the Lord. I just think that's a beautiful story. And thank you to you know, Dean and Francis and also um, in just that little part of it, Anita, last weekend to bring her to that point. I'm also so grateful for um, a local church uh, in this area, another one other than us, who a few years ago were asking the question, what is the Holy Spirit doing? And noticed that... A few people, a lot of people in this area actually, want to, help, want to develop their English skills and are willing to accept help from pretty much anyone if they would offer it. And so they started conversational English classes and uh, we let them use the Southern River Church Christ. We let them use our cafe to do them. They use a few other venues as well. And then this week, Aaron and I are standing in the office having a, having a chat and Terry, the pastor of this church, comes up with this big grin on his face. Um, I think he was almost shaking, I think. And he said, we just had our first person come to Christ as a result of the English classes. And I remember when Terry told me that the vision for this, I was thinking, oh my goodness, there's going to be a lot of work, Terry. Are you sure you want to go down this line? But thankfully, um, 
you know, they, they weren't listening to me. They were listening to the Spirit and going, what is the Holy Spirit up to? And they identified that. They stepped down in faith. And we pray that it wouldn't just be one person, but many they are sharing the gospel with now, not in a bait and switch way, but actually a specific time that if you want to talk about the things of faith, come and we will gladly share with you. And they've got multiple people in that space, in our prayer room, with that happening. Last week, I spoke about people of peace. Jesus' strategy for reaching people with the good news message. And this is all about, all this is about, is asking, what is the Holy Spirit doing in people's lives? And that is so freeing, that that I don't have to try and conjure up some plan and program and and thing that, that God is going to be so impressed with that he comes in and blesses it. All I've got to do is go, God, what are you already doing and how can I step into that, whether it be in the life of an individual or a community? And just to finish this morning, what I felt as I was laying about thinking about this last night is this, what great hope this gives us. What an amazing hope we have if We don't have to conjure something up ourselves. And if we can go to God and say, this this difficult circumstance, this uncomfortable thing that I'm going through, this unsettling feeling that I have, God, if it's you or if you're not removing it, then your message to me is, do not be afraid. What hope does that give us? Because now we can go, okay, God, If you're involved in this, I don't have to reject it. I don't have to be fearful of it. I can embrace it. And I know that out of that, you are going to bless others and use me as a conduit for your love to flow into the lives of others. And I am going to feel a whole lot less weighed down. What a great message of hope if we step into God's will rather than trying to pour it back out, he will use us and lighten our load. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke, put your, you know, I'll share the yoke. <laughs> I'll share the load. I'll lighten the load. And so, Father, I thank you this morning that the things that are happening in our life, the things that have happened this year in 2020, the most crazy of all years we have lived so far, uh, I thank you that what you are doing in our life, even if it is uncomfortable, even if it is unsettling, even if there are things that were intended by the enemy but you are using for good, however hard, however unsettling they may be, Lord, if we embrace what you are doing in our lives, that that greatly changes us and that greatly changes others. And so this morning we pray this ancient prayer of the church that you, Holy Spirit, would come. This prayer that has been prayed for centuries, we pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill us. Come Holy Spirit, show us what you're already doing. Come Holy Spirit, move amongst us. Come Holy Spirit, mobilize us to reach those who need your love this Christmas. Come Holy Spirit.